This is Paul Davy, Yield Point Specialist for Egg Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHF Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have updates from Tyler Donaldson and Whitney Pittman. The first step out the door may be a bit slick this morning due to a mix of precipitation. The National Weather Service says Highway 2 seems to be the dividing line. Areas south of Highway 2 seeing intermittent freezing drizzle. The areas to the north, light snow. There will be a transition to light snow later today and continue through tomorrow. The government faces another shutdown January 19th if an agreement cannot be made to approve funding. Red River Farm Network Farm Broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. Russell Group President Randy Russell says the first four appropriations bills that need to be approved would impact agriculture agencies. The border situation is expected to play a huge role in any forward movement. That would include uh, the Department of Agriculture, along with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, Farm Credit Administration, and the Food and Drug Administration, along with some other agencies. And then the other date for the other eight appropriation bills is February 2nd. So there are negotiations going on right now to see if they can find a path forward to fund all 12 of these bills. Frankly, a major stumbling block, and we saw the speaker, uh, Mike Johnson, the new speaker down on the border, is the insistence on several House Republicans and even some Senate Republicans on uh, addressing the border as part of any negotiation. Compromise is hard to come by in the current Congress. Russell says the November election is already weighing on how things are getting done. This is the most evenly divided Congress in the history of the Congress. And, and, the, and the margins keep getting narrower. There was just another member that announced that they will be, be leaving on the Republican side. So right now the Republicans, if you're Speaker Johnson, you can't lose more than two Republicans. And that's assuming every Republican is voting. Um, in order to pass initiatives that you want to get done without any Democratic support. So uh, the new speaker has got his work cut out for Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. An attempt to simplify the government's student aid process could make college more costly for farm families. An omnibus bill that passed at the end of 2023 included a change in the FAFSA, or Free Application for Federal Student Aid Regulations. Previously, there was an exemption for families who owned farms or small businesses. American Farm Bureau Federation Director of Government Affairs, Dustin Shearer, says that exemption is now gone. The example that's been given is for a farm that's valued at about a million dollars, under the old rules, that family would have been expected to pay about $7,600 towards the education under the old rules. Under the new rules, that same family would be responsible for more than $41,000, which essentially would take you out of the Pell Grant and federal and state aid programs and force most people to take out student loans. The FAFSA change takes effect for the 2024-2025 school year. Legislation has been introduced in both chambers of Congress to reinstate the exemption. Fungicides are a critical component for disease management in small grains. NDSU Extension plant pathologist Andrew Friskop likes the proactive approach. Yeah, and one thing that I, you know, even I suffer from it is what I call short-term memory, just because it wasn't a problem last year or maybe the year before that. Uh, knowing that when you're coming into a no new growing season, still have your 
pro protocol in place and how you want to manage your small grains. And then when you get to that point, if you're okay with fungicides, seeing where you want to apply those. In some cases, it just becomes an automatic, um, you know, win on the farm, and that's good. Um, I think up in this region specifically, we're always going to be worried about Fresarium head blight. Last year was maybe the exception, but it's something that just doesn't go away because you didn't see it last year. Speaking at the Lake Region Extension Roundup, Friskop said wheat scab was prevalent in different areas last year. I, I, I'd say it's been a curveball for me when somebody asks me now, like, where's our biggest Fresarium head blight area? I would always say no-brainer, northeast North Dakota, but last year it was southwest North Dakota. So it, it's, it's the element of what the environment is doing, but also just specifically during what I call that three-week time frame when it's most important for scab to develop and to infect. And what I like to see from a statewide effort is just being aware of disease. Some cases you're going to have to manage it actively. In some cases, like in northeast North Dakota, we're always actively managing it. The union representing 400 workers at the Viterra Grain Facility in Saskatchewan is scheduled to go on strike today. The dispute is over wages and workplace respect. Viterra is owned by Glencore. This is the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. During the Lake Region Extension Roundup in Devils Lake, NDSU Extension agronomist Claire Keene shared information about conserving soil moisture. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster uh, Tyler Donaldson has more. This is Tyler Donaldson of the Red River Farm Network here at the Lake Region Extension Roundup with Claire Keene, agronomist for SDSU. What's a good way for farmers to reduce the effects of drought? Sure. So certainly uh, for dryland farmers, um, there's not, you know, there's there's no controlling the weather for sure. Um, but in terms of crop selection, you know, um, we have we we so far have had a pretty dry and open winter. Um, and for folks in the north central and northeast part of the state, uh, they had a very dry growing season in 23. So we're unless we get um, good spring moisture, um, we'll probably be starting at a deficit. And so a strategy farmers can take is to use some lower water use crops. So things like spring wheat, barley, oats, the pulses, peas, lentils, um, those might provide an opportunity um, to grow a crop that just needs less water. Um, so if 2024 season turns out to be dry as well, you'd, you'd have a higher chance of success of getting some decent yields with those lower water use crops. Okay. Um, something else farmers can do is that if they plan to grow corn, soybean, sunflowers, um, those deep rooting crops would best be placed um, after a field that had something like wheat or peas in it in 2023 since those are shallow-rooted crops and there, may, there might still be some deep soil moisture um, down below that a deep-rooted crop could access in 2024. So then um, does crop diversity play a role in that? Is that sort of effectively hedging bets against drought? I think it is, yes. Um, I think when farmers grow a diversity of crops, um, you know, different crops need water at different stages of their life. And so if you have both some cool season and some warm season crops, you can take advantage of either what might be a wet spring or a wet midsummer um, and hopefully get um, good yields with at least a portion of your production. Okay. Is there an effective way of maintaining efficient use of water during a drought? There certainly are decisions farmers can make. Um, you know, if they're... If farmers have been considering minimizing tillage or forgoing some tillage um, to see how that goes on their operation, um, we know that if we do less spring tillage, we're not opening up the soil as much. We're conserving whatever moisture there is there. Um, so that's that's an option. Um, 
you know, during the season, uh, making decisions like perhaps backing down on a corn seeding rate a little bit um, to try to allow whatever water there is um, to be available to, to fewer corn plants can help maximize the yield on those plants. Um, but of course, that can. Um, there's the potential then if you don't have as, as closed of a crop canopy, uh, maybe some weed issues um, could get in there. So there's, there's always trade-offs in farming. From the Lake Region Extension Roundup for the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. To some degree, disease pressure is with us every year. North Dakota State University Extension plant pathologist Sam Markell says this past year was somewhat unique. I saw a lot of everything, I think, this past year, but not a lot of it, right? So there's a lot of things around, but there wasn't any burned-on epidemics that I know of. You know, we saw a good amount of bacterial blight, I suppose. We know soybean cyst nematode is moving around the countryside. It's moving slowly, but it's, it's going to be more problematic over time. We haven't seen a ton of white mold recently but we can't forget about that one because that one survives for quite a few years in the soil and in, in this overwintering structure. Didn't see much rust at all, but when you have a warm winter, a lot of things can overwinter that don't normally overwinter as well. And this particular rust can overwinter. So there's a lot of things to keep our eye on, but there's really no smoking guns from last year. An open winter can influence crop disease. Yeah, it can. You know, so the, the snow will help protect and help insulate and do those do those sorts of things so that that's a little bit of a counterbalance to the heat right so if you have an open winter and uh, you just you're 30 below or something that can that can make a difference that can knock out a few things but things like white mold that that doesn't matter for them they're, they're going to survive total of 446 or excuse me 466,000 hundredweight of fresh potatoes were shipped from the Red River Valley during December that's up uh, 58,000 hundredweight from December of 2022 and the strongest December movement since 2018 red potato shipments rose nearly 16% yellow potato movement was up more than 12% for more information about the Red River Farm Network, visit Facebook and X. You can also find stories, podcasts, and more at rrfn.com. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The Trimble Technology Company has launched a carbon marketplace called the Connected Climate Exchange. This effort will link farmers to companies hoping to meet sustainability targets through a streamlined process to collect verified data. One roadblock for carbon programs has been the ability to aggregate data, but Trimble officials said it has been on the farm collecting data for decades. Earth Optics has become a leader in soil carbon measuring in the U.S., reaching a milestone this year. CEO Lars Deard says they're looking forward to an even bigger 2024 as the carbon offset market grows. We had a million acres mapped uh, mostly in the U.S., but we've also launched uh, internationally. We're mapping soil carbon, soil fertility, and, and even soil health, as well as soil compaction. Proud to say we're doing a majority of the soil carbon quantification that's happening in the U.S. right now. Typically, for, it's for carbon credit programs where someone like a Microsoft or a United Airlines is buying credits to offset their emissions. But in many cases, it's for consumer packaged good companies or, or grocers. We set out to make soil measurement much higher resolution, much lower cost, and more accurate than had been traditionally possible with soil samples alone. I mean, we're excited about this milestone of a million acres, but actually this year we're, we're planning to double and triple that. So we're, we're hoping to have 3 million acres covered by the end of 24. Earth Optics aims to help farmers and ranchers find profits outside of selling commodities. And so really the way this is helping to benefit farmers and ranchers is as we learn which kind of practices can contribute to 
actually increasing the levels of soil carbon. I mean, soil carbon is organic matter, so that means healthier soil is better water retention. Uh, but almost every program that we're working with, these comes with with payments to the grower. So we kind of call it a a decommoditization that's happening, where where increasingly farmers and ranchers are getting paid for not just what they grew, but how they grew it. And so it, it's it's data like we provide that helps facilitate that. But it, it means it means more revenue for for American farmers. So we're really excited about that prospect and hoping to see those type of payments that you know get larger and larger as time goes on. German Ag Minister Olaf Scholz is stressing the government will not make any more concessions to farmers. Hundreds of farmers protested the loss of tax credits last month in central Berlin. Another demonstration took place last night, blocking the country's economic minister from continuing his travels in northern Germany. Scholz said the latest protest was shameful and included people who don't care about German agriculture. In markets, Minneapolis wheat, as we speak, five and three quarter higher at 717. The May contract, five and three quarter higher. Chicago wheat for March, a two cent gain, 615 and a half. Hard red winter wheat, March, 629 and three quarters, four higher. Corn's down a fraction to a penny. March at 465 and three quarters, down three quarters of a cent. July, that's a penny lower at 487 and three quarters. Soybeans for March, 1264 and three quarters, down two and three quarter cents. And the May contract down by three and a half cents, 1273 is the quote. We've got uh, soybean meal lower, soybean oil uh, trading higher right now. A quick note from the calendar, Potato Expo going on next week in Austin, Texas. And Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Randy Conan will be reporting next week from that event. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.